Merry Christmas from Drew and the entire Relevant Radio family. Thanks for spending the season with us. 8 a.m. Santa's coming to town. Hey, Drew Mariani here. I hope you are enjoying this time with your family and loved ones. I'm doing the same here. Here's a previously recorded episode I thought you'd enjoy. Hope you're having a wonderful Christmas season. God bless. The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. My husband and I, before we were married, neither of us were in the church. We had a conversion Mm -hmm. later on, and we entered the church together as a family. Before we were married, we both had an addiction to illicit images and self-gratifying behavior and using intimacy in a disordered way. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that call came into uh, my colleague Patrick Madrid show a little bit earlier this morning. I was actually making my way to the National Shrine of our, uh, I want to say Our Lady of Good Help, now Our Lady of Champion. And I caught part of that conversation. I mean, I knew a little bit later today I was going to be joined by Brandon and uh, uh, Tonya Clark. Uh, they've got a really amazing story to share. And I thought, man, how providential it is. I'll share more of that, that, that conversation with you coming up. But... Um, you know, you can hear the response. You can always listen to the podcast, but we'll we'll play part of that for you coming up. But you know, when I it was, I was struck just by how prevalent porn use is in our country today. You know, and it, I often think of it as a male thing, but really, it's a male female thing, and that is now showing that even more women are beginning to use pornography, and it manifests in different ways. There can be literary porn. There can be you know, visual porn, there'd be lots of different ways that pornography can affect you um, and, and can be used. Um, but it's prevalent. And, you know, just because somebody's a follower of Christ, they call themselves a Christian, doesn't mean that they're immune. Uh, according to Covenant Eyes, it's going to get worse. Why? Because we're, we're entering a strange new world. I mean, virtual reality is is getting better and better, right? And I was watching a 60-minute piece last night and they did they did a segment on AI, and I'm I'm just intrigued by it. Uh, I think it's really it's, it's going to come, um, uh, you know, in it's going to evolve very very rapidly. And with robotic technology and with artificial intelligence, when those two things merge, I guarantee you it's going to be used by the porn industry. And I think we're going to see whole new levels of of addiction. Um, they say in two years, virtual reality content for video games is going to be pulling in about $1.5 billion a year. The NFL is taking in right now about $1.2 billion a year, and VR porn is going to be sucking in a, uh, up to a $1 billion. So um, you're dealing with unbelievable money here, and that number is going to get larger. Uh, 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say they watch porn at least once a month. So six out of 10 guys, almost seven out of 10. And, you know, one or two women out of 10. Um, Catholics certainly are not immune either. I'm willing to bet that the number one sin stated by men in the confessional is 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 pornography. I have asked priests about it. And they say it's the number one thing they hear in the, in the confessional. Of course, they don't divulge the confession, but <clears throat> they do say that that's, that's really a problem. In, in their churches. I, I had a guest on years ago. I forget 
which guest it was. I've dealt with this issue a number of times. Uh, who says, you look around your church and take a look at all the men sitting in those pews there, this person said. And based on this number, 70% of those, those, those church goers there, 70% of those men have probably viewed porn. I, I always found that number to be strikingly high, and I, I have a real problem getting my head around that number, but you know, this is what the data is, is saying right now. I mean, again, Covenant Eyes you said that 64% of Christian men, 15% of Christian women say they, they watch it at least once a month. I think those numbers might be even higher. And it's, it's fiercely addictive, too. You know that. We've talked about how addictive it is to, uh, it's as addictive as heroin. And what it does to the physiology of the brain, what it does to your relationship. If you're struggling today, I invite you to turn up the radio and hang out with me. If your spouse is into it, maybe you're not, and you want some insight and some help, um, stay tuned. And if you want to call, I know this can be a sensitive issue. You can always call anonymously if you want and get in on the conversation as well, because I'm going to be joined by um, a couple, um, Brandon and, and Tonya Clark. They, they know about this. This is a couple that was married in 2014. And they went into the marriage, both of them knowing very well that, that uh, Tonya knew that Brandon had a problem with porn. And uh, it was a problem he had, even though he, he was practicing and, and fully Catholic. Uh, but uh, about a month into their marriage, Brandon used it, and that set their marriage on a very rocky course for the next couple of years. I don't want to tell their story. I'm going to let him tell it. But finally, a, a run-in with police uh, while they were on a business trip brought things to a head. And they sought a great group, and I want to fill you in on the group. It's called Retrovi. Okay, it's a French word. Um, and again, I don't have the website in front of me, Maggie, or, or I know Patrick, you'll, you'll dig it up for me. Retrovive, you want to go, they do have a website, it's retrovive.org, but there's an easier way to remember it. Retrovive is spelled, if you want it, jot this down. It's R-E-T-R-O-U-V-A-I-L-L-E.org. I, I won't respell it because an easy way to do it is just helpourmarriage.org. All right, that's an easier way to spell retrovive. Helpourmarriage.org, that's a great way to go. Um, Brandon now works for Covenant Eyes. That's a great group too. And uh, they've got some great software that you might be able to use. Um, you can check out covenanteyes.com, covenanteyes.com. It's a delight to welcome both Brandon and Tonya with me today. Hey, welcome guys. Thank you for your time and, and for your willingness to talk about all this. Thank you, Drew. Really appreciate the opportunity to get on and um, share our story and uh, also uh, just be able to visit with those who might be considering going to a retrovi. Maybe they've never heard about it. Maybe they're uh, going to hear about it for the first time today. But uh, it certainly has been a great help to our marriage and all of the struggles that we've been through. So, uh, again, yeah. we're just grateful for the opportunity today. Yeah, and I, I just want to say to anyone who's listening, um, you know, you can go to Retrovi and it's not, it's not because of pornography. I mean, if your marriage is in trouble, their success rate yeah. is off the charts. I mean, it really, it's, they have an unbelievable success rate. And we'll talk more about that coming up. But before we do, let me do this. Um, and and Tonya, it's great to have you with me too. Um, Brandon, whoever wants to start, why don't you take us back in time? I didn't want to give all your story, but, but share your story with us. I know a lot of people can probably relate to it. Yeah, well, I really got to start back at 12 years old. That's when I was first exposed to pornography. I was at my friend's house, and we were in the basement looking at the computer, and I'd never seen or heard of anything like that before. And he asked me if I wanted to see something, 
And uh, being naive, I said, yeah, sure, why not? And he was my friend. So, you know, I thought whatever he was going to show me was going to be pretty cool. Little did I know that it was going to be pornography. And um, when that first image appeared on the screen, I really didn't know what I was looking at right away. And I was able to finally process and realize that I was staring at a naked woman. And uh, from there, my brain just soaked it in like a sponge. And it just led me on a discovery course to see more what this was about. It led me into looking at images of couples having sexual intimacy and uh, ultimately into videos and things like that. And by the age of 13, Drew, I was looking at pornography quite regularly, sometimes daily, um, at least a few times a week. And um, it's something that would take relationships from me uh, as far as friendships go. Um, I nearly, well, I, in, in a roundabout way, I ended up losing a job because of it. Um, wow. I ended up um, sleeping with a girl out of wedlock uh, before I um, started dating my wife. And it drew, it just really, you know, it, it sent my brain one direction and that was self-fulfillment and, um, you know, just as much pleasure as I could receive no matter what the cost, because really, you know, the blinders were on when I was looking at pornography and I, I really didn't, I didn't count the cost and I didn't really care about the cost as long as I got my fulfillment. Wow. So you're now addicted to this. You meet, uh, I'm assuming, your future wife. What happened? So I had met her actually when I was going to college. Uh, we went to North Dakota State University and, and were involved in St. Paul's Newman Center. I was a student and she was working there. And um, so we had gotten to know each other. We weren't really great friends. We were acquaintances. And... Um, so I had graduated from college and was dating a, a girl in the cities and she was actually engaged to another gentleman. And, um, both of those relationships ended, we were going to uh, friends of mine wedding and, uh, we got to talking and visiting and, uh, things just kind of developed there from uh, a friendship standpoint. And then we did, uh, what we called at the Newman center, a DTR, a define the relationship one night uh, before we entered into a courtship and she asked me flat out if I had ever they, if I had ever slept with anyone and if I had a, if I had ever looked at pornography and she had done her research so she knew the answer to both questions um, wow. <laughs> and um, I, I was honest with her and I told her the truth not knowing what that meant um, but I knew that if I was going to enter into this relationship because this girl was different <laughs> um, yeah. she wasn't like any other girl and I knew that she um, she wouldn't take anything less than the truth. So I told her the truth. And to her, um, and she can speak to this, the most yeah. important part was honesty and me being upfront about both of those. Um, but I think she really didn't understand the depth of the pornography struggle at the time. Well, let me bring uh, Tonya in. Uh, Tonya, thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing this as well. Um, give me your side of, uh, of the story as well. You, you met Brandon. I know you probably very attracted to him. I don't know how you felt about pornography, whether you thought, Hey, that's what guys do or what happened. When you realized he had this addiction. Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having us on your show today. Um, right. So I, you know, Brendan does such a beautiful job summarizing everything. So good job, honey. Um, <laughs> um, but, uh, 
I guess when we, my exposure to pornography, I, I didn't have any personal exposure at all, but it was, I had worked in youth ministry and been a minister in the church for a number of years. Um, I was a admirer, and still am, of um, Jason Everett and his wife. They do a lot of work um, in that industry. I remember as a teenager reading some of the books that they had wrote. Um, so I was aware of it, um, but not as like an addictive thing. Uh, I guess I didn't really understand addiction in my own personal life either. Um, I had some some relatives that I knew um, had some addiction to alcohol, so that was all the exposure I had to addiction in general. But as far as into pornography, I had a really basic level understanding that yes, men are attracted to women in a physical level, unique to manhood. Um, and that was just a struggle for them more so maybe than it would maybe be for women. At least that was my understanding. Um, and we were just supposed to help each other along, you know, to get, you know, on the road to heaven get on the straight and narrow. And when you recognize that it's a problem, then you fix it because recognizing is half the battle. Then the other half of the battle should come. You know, so I had a really simplified um, and naive understanding of how, how this ought to work and, and, and how much work it ought to be and ought not to be, not having any real personal experience of it myself. So when, you know, when I asked him, have, had you ever looked at pornography before? It was more of a, okay, so now you're honest with me. I know the answer to this question, so I know you're an honest person. You're not lying to me. Um, so you're honest. That's great. I can deal with honesty. I just didn't realize that it wasn't, like, I've looked at pornography, I'm addicted to pornography, and this addiction is going to be huge and it's going to play a huge role in our marriage. And it's going to really test the bonds of marriage um, and our ability to work through the tough, tough stuff together. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was kind of a, it was a shock coming in and then all of a sudden recognizing and it wasn't an all of a sudden i really shouldn't say all of a sudden it was just like a slow a slow drip recognizing what this was going to entail the level of exposure he had received the trauma that happened to the brain over time um yeah as our journey progressed like i felt myself growing in in a deeper knowledge a deeper understanding i was shell literally shell shocked right away i know i had a couple of like moments when I was so overcome with emotion I could barely breathe and I was just like hyperventilating like it, it was real stuff it was tough um where we've been a number of years past that but I feel like kind of get a little choked up at it even now because that was that was some really tough rough stuff to have to work through and then come to a recognition that in all of it my husband was a beloved son of a heavenly father that loved me equally and wants us both together in heaven with him, regardless. Um, and really coming to recognize that um, it's kind of kind of a joke, but not really a joke. That I'm like, I love humility. I just don't like learning it. <laughs> um, and <laughs> who does? So like, it's been a, a humbling journey in that it just takes time. And to think one can just pull one up by one's bootstraps. And just dig in and, and get over it is so not not the deal at all. Yeah. Uh, my guest today, Tonya Clark and, and her husband, Brandon, sharing 
their journey. Uh, porn is addictive, and look, you guys are not alone, as you know. I think this is an epidemic. I think the numbers are only going to continue to increase. And I have got greater concern because, Brandon, and we'll get through your story, but I want to hit on something you spoke about because I think it's really critical. Um, I think early exposure to porn really can distort the mind. And you were 12 years old when you experienced it. Um, I I know a 30-year-old man who came up to me recently, and and he had asked me for prayer. He says, can you pray for me? And I said, sure. He said, I'm going to share something with you. And he says... um, I am coming to deal with these. He's coming out now very publicly like like you are. And I think it's great because so often this is hidden. He says, when I was like 12 or 13 years old, he says, my cousin invited me over to, to the house and he showed me his uncle's pornography. And they saw this porn. And uh, again, he says, immediately it did something to him. He says, he doesn't know what happened. He didn't want to watch it. He felt very guilty. He was Catholic, right? He told his mom, he went to confession, but he couldn't get it out of his mind. So, as a young 13-year-old boy, uh, he says he became addicted to porn, but it led him down a very dark path because it wasn't just sexual acts that he saw. He says, he was telling me, as a, as a, as a teenage kid, I, I saw stuff that no one should ever see, like somebody's head getting cut off with a chainsaw. I mean, you, you go down these you go down these dark, dark paths, and he struggled with years. He went through different relationships. It led into, I think, other addictions and compulsions. Um, but ultimately, he's now trying to to come to terms with it. Now, he's not a devout Catholic, this person at all. I try to encourage him to, you know, to to turn to the faith. But I, there are resources and there are things out there. But before you know, before we get to those resources, let's talk about early exposure because today, unlike when I grew up and maybe a lot of other people. You didn't have a cell phone in your hand. 12-year-olds have cell phones because we want to keep them safe. They have access through video game systems to, to watch porn. They've got computer systems. There's a myriad of ways that they can get access yeah. to this. Or whether you are a good parent and safeguard them, well, their friend might have it, and they might be at somebody's house. So I, I just think the, the exposure to our kids, and also from a spiritual perspective, I really think there's a war on our children today. I think the evil one is really attacking the family and our kids. Uh, from a spiritual yeah. perspective, but I just think more and more kids are going to see this. So I'm a little concerned about what that portends for marriage, for sexual dysfunction, for violence and rape, and for all the other things that sometimes can manifest depending on how one processes this stuff. But I'd love your thoughts on the impact of, of early porn and what we're seeing and, you know, h- how you see, uh, how you seeing that uh, taking root. Yeah, well, it's very detrimental to the the human person right just think about the dignity of human life and you, know, you could talk about other issues like abortion and and things like that right but it all goes back to the same thing just a very respect for the dignity of life and i think when we look at pornography we begin to use people right we consume them they become commodities rather than the the people themselves and Unfortunately, a lot of people in the industry, have, we've, I've, I host a, a podcast for Covenant Eyes, and we've talked to people who were in the industry and, and have come out, share a very sad story of a lot of trauma they experienced as children, you know, or, or maybe their father wasn't around or, you know, whatever it is. Um, a lot of them are addicted to drugs. A lot of them are, are suicidal, and, and a lot of them do die by suicide. Um, it's just the, the, the glamour quote unquote that is shown in pornography or that the pornography industry wants you to believe that exists does not in any way exist. It's, it's very sad. It's very broken. 
And so think about getting exposed to now the average age of exposure is between eight and 11 years old. And this is a a young boy or or even a young girl's first experience of, of nakedness, of sex, of the, the, the human body. And especially if their parents aren't talking to them about it, you know, that this is going to set them on a roller coaster of emotions uh, and, and having to be a certain way or act a certain way or perform a, a certain way to get love, to get appreciation, to get that, that deep longing that they have ultimately for God, right? To be known, to be loved, to be cared for. But now all of a sudden the pornography world has us pointed towards this is how you get love. This is how you receive love. This is how you get love. And if you don't do it this way, you're going to be lonely and you're going to be lost. And so there is a lot of guilt. There's a lot of shame. There's a lot of loneliness involved. And as you were mentioning, what does that do? Then, then that's training our young boys and, and young girls how to act. You know, young boys, there's studies out there now that are showing young boys are, are more aggressive now than they ever have been. And especially in, in being aggressive towards their, their female classmates because we're training a sexually aggressive generation to to respond in these certain ways and it's it's really heartbreaking um the other thing you were mentioning right was was ai a little earlier i just want to mention something on that because you know we not only have things like deep fake pornography where they can put anything like any person onto the screen now but think about what it means to go virtual and go ai right remove ourselves from human connection. I mean, how many people even have the ability to talk to one another, you know, carry a conversation without being on their phone or something like that at the restaurant? Uh, I think we have a lot deeper issues um, apart from the pornography and just that that human connection and that, that dignity of life. It's so true. So what do you think, and again, I'm just speculating here, but I, I think AI is coming. It's coming rapidly. I was having a conversation with somebody yesterday about it. I mean, we had the printing press that radically trans, you know, transformed the way information was spread. Of course, another pivotal moment in history was the Industrial Revolution and automation. Eli Whitney with his cotton gin and Ford with his assembly line. And then the, the advent of the Internet. Oh, my gosh. That built new businesses, created new ways of communicating. It changed the world. But AI is going to bring us to a whole new level. Uh, it's going to be something. I mean, I think it's going to overshadow all this. How do you how do you see this infiltrating? I mean, look, because we're at a war right now with this this with pornography. I, I think. Yeah. I, I hope people. I hope we get a grip on it before it is too late. Um, uh, for so many reasons, spiritually, emotionally, the, the the what it does to the body, what it does to relationships, uh, what it does to even people's desire to have children. But um, what do you see happening with AI? Do you, do you see the, the, the fact that like in Japan there have been reports of men who are having relations with these robots and they don't, they're not married, they're not dating because they don't need it. Pornography seems to be filling that, that, that gap. Um, do you see that becoming more prevalent in the days ahead? I really do. Uh, we were just talking with Father Mike Schmitz. Uh, on a podcast the other day and we got into a conversation about the impact of pornography and how it's really leading young people to not want to date, to not want to have those physical relationships, to not want to get married. And of course, if you don't get married, you're not having children and things just continue to progress like that. And again, if we remove ourselves far enough from the human connection, 
then all that's left is going to be virtual and it's going to be this false reality, this false intimacy, um, and really just a false understanding of who God created to, us to be as his beloved sons and, and beloved daughters. And, you know, just even going back into theology of the body and, and what it means to be male, what it means to be female, and how God created us and how we're called to come together and be fruitful and multiply, right? All of that begins to go out the window. And I, I really think that's where the, Satan wants us to go. He He wants us to not, he hates us, right? He doesn't value us in any way. And he wants that same thing to happen among us, among ourselves, so that we can continue to do grotesque things and, and look up things, uh, as you were mentioning. I, I mean, I look at my own porn use back when I was really in the, in the midst of it, and I, I just, I'm kind of disgusted by the things that I looked at. Yeah. Um, but it was never enough, and that's the thing, is you begin to go down a road of where it's no longer enough. You need more and, and different things. Um, and a lot of people even branch out, right? They, they, a lot of people branch out into paying for sex, right? Paying for, for prostitution. And um, I, ca- I can't tell you how many uh, pedophiles, ne- nearly all pedophiles, yeah. and I'm not saying like this is where all porn is, use is going to go, right? But I am saying that, you interview any pedophile and they'll tell you that it began with pornography usage, right? So these are the dangers that we are running into and we know yep. how bad trafficking is and, and it just conti- things like this are just going to continue to get worse. And I'm not trying to paint a bleak picture because mm-hmm. there is hope because Jesus Christ is our hope and our savior. Um, but I, as we continue down this road as a society, and if we don't turn back to God and turn away from things like pornography, there's nothing really keeping us from doing anything. Yeah, that's so true. You know, it's interesting. I had a uh, a guest on this program several times. He worked for a cyber division of a of a police department, and he said exactly what you said. He says, you know, the the problem with the pornography it, it begins to desensitize individuals, and what was once titillating no longer is exciting, and you begin to go down these different paths. So, you know, as I said, this one person saw you know murder, to to he says, but uh, what I've seen pornography ultimately lead to is ultimately to pedophilia a lot of guys find themselves and then attracted to younger and younger and more innocent and next thing you know they're they're looking at child porn and that's the last thing that you're going to want on on your laptop but he says it's it's a real problem you see that the u.s is one of the leading consumers of child pornography in in the in the country so it gives us gives us a lot of pause look i'll tell you what let me take a short break when we come back i want to share with you a call that came into the radio network earlier today and Tonya, I'd love to get your take on it as well, a a woman who needs just some advice. Uh, And I also invite those of you who are listening. If you want to get in, maybe you're struggling with this. You can call in anonymously. Uh, Maybe you uh, need some advice. Maybe it's your loved one that's going through this and you want to share that experience. Maybe you've been able to rise above this. Uh, Maybe there are certain strategies you have. Uh, Maybe you feel hopeless. The phones are open for you. And this is a roundtable, so feel free to join us today as we explore, I think, one of the great challenges of our day on a lot of different levels, uh, emotionally, psychologically, even physiologically, but definitely spiritually, because this does have spiritual costs. I'll be back with more right after this. We go there. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Porn is only fantasy. It doesn't affect my life. Think about the argument behind this. It's essentially arguing that images coupled with messages do not have the power to influence human behavior. 
But if that's true, then please explain advertising to me. Suppose you had a friend who enjoyed watching racist videos. Well, you would probably say at least two things. You would say, okay, one, this is going to affect the way you relate with other people. And two, even if it doesn't, you are wrong to find this entertaining. You're wrong to find it entertaining, wouldn't you? The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, what a great clip. That was Matt Frad. If you're just joining me, we're taking a look at uh, well, a modern-day pandemic. We've got a disease. It's called pornography. And believe me, uh, if you are struggling with it, you are not alone. You know, the consumption of pornography is uh, a personal choice. But, boy, I'll tell you what, it impacts not just the individual, but it ripples out and affects relationships, families, and really society at large. And the impact on relationships, and we can talk about this. We actually don't have enough time to talk about everything I'd love to talk about. Uh, it impacts you know, intimacy. You're going to hear a phone call from a woman who's really having an issue with this right now. Um, there are psychological implications. Uh, the addiction to this is fierce. It's as addicting as, as heroin. Uh, there's self-esteem issues. There's physical concerns. Like sexual dysfunction is, is on the rise. And people are saying, I wonder what's the matter. Um, are you looking at porn, gentlemen? That might be part of the other uh, reason. Uh, there are societal implications. We talked about sex trafficking. And it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, it, when our kids are exposed to this, there's dis- early exposure. Um, it can warp a mind. It can set them down a, a bad path. And, and the list goes on. But there is hope. There is real hope out there, and that's why I've invited today two beautiful people, Brandon and Tonya Clark, to join me. Um, They've been down this path. They've seen the effects of it, and I've invited them to to join us to not only share their story, to take a few of your calls and maybe give you some direction. They went to an organization called Retrovi, and it really saved their marriage and and saved their, their, their relationship. And it's great to have you back with us. Look, I let me. Show, I want to play a piece of audio for you, and we'll take a few calls for you. And Tonya, maybe you can start, and Brandon, you can start this morning as I was driving up, doing my broadcast today live from the National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion, and I had an opportunity to listen to my colleague Patrick Madrid, and a phone call came into him from a woman, and I'll throw this to you, to Tanya, uh, Tonya, and Brandon, and let you guys respond. But if you missed part of the conversation, here it is. Listen. My husband and I, before we were married. Neither of us were in the church. We had a conversion later on, and we entered the church together as a family. Before we were married, we both had an addiction to illicit images and self-gratifying behavior and using intimacy in a disordered way before marriage. Okay. And we had our conversion basically throughout our engagement process, and we didn't end up converting and doing confession and baptism for myself until after we were married. But we spent a lot of time trying to heal some of that trauma and trying mm-hmm. to work on that. We're about six years down the road and we've got beautiful children and our marriage is wonderful, but we're still having trouble connecting intimately in a way that is not disordered. That kind of mm-hmm. brings back all of the the trauma that we had experienced that led us to our addiction. So she's seeking some advice as to, to what to do. Uh, 
Tonya, let me start with you. Why don't you pick up? You heard her call and, and the struggle she's going through. What advice would, would you give? And maybe you can share a little bit more of your story. Sure. Um, wow. I mean, like, she, I mean, she really opened up with her heart there. I thought that was really amazing uh, for her to come in and even just talk about it, especially as a woman. There's a lot of vulnerability that has to happen there because there's so many, so many, like, uh, just personal issues like that you have to go through to, to come out and say it to anybody um, and to admit it at all. Um, and then it's another thing to struggle with it, you know, think you're making headway and then you fall back and then admit that. Um, so um, she's a very courageous one. That is what I hear right away. She um, She's very courageous in wanting um, intimacy for her and her husband and in her marriage. Um, and also another part of her story that I kind of picked up on a little bit um, is they were having these kind of things before they were married and then they got married. Um, so there is going to be like, maybe, maybe, maybe not, uh, but some level of like um, excitement in doing something that one oughtn't. Um, I, you know, I was, I was thinking back to when Brennan and I were engaged and everything. We, we, um, we were not sexually active before marriage, um, but the temptation um, and the draw and the physical draw to one another was definitely there. I was very much attracted to my future husband. Um, and so we had rules in place um, to safeguard against that and safeguards in place to help us with that. But wow. when you get married, you know, there's like no forbidden fruit, right? And so that sense of forbidden fruit is no longer there after you get married. It needs to, blo- have blo- it needs to blossom into the fullness of fruit. Um, on a fruitful tree, on a fertile, uh, fertile and fruitful tree, and that tree needs to be allowed to mature. But it has to mature past the point of being forbidden now. Now it is desirable, you know, and it's not forbidden anymore. You can have it. Uh, and so it's more like coming to know and recognize what it was truly meant for so that one can utilize it to the best of its abilities so that it enhances your marriage. Um, she was talking about intimacy without it being disordered. And, you know, there's going to be a healing process that's going to have to happen. I don't know how many years they were active um, in it illicitly um, versus she said there were six years into marriage, you know, beautiful children. You know, like maybe diving back a little bit into their story um, for the couple themselves. And that was something beautiful that Brandon and I found as well, like, going back into our story and like finding out, well, what was the original draw? Was it stress response? Was it uh, family of origin issues? Was it um, different things like that? And that's something that Retrovi really brought out for us and asking those questions and, and bringing us to a deeper understanding of ourselves individually to find out what was the very first thing that encouraged us that direction and what kept Brandon going back to that as a default. Um, so maybe asking those deeper questions like, well, what's the stimulus there? Let's talk this out, flesh it out a little bit more, dive a little deeper. Um, and maybe there's something more that the Lord wants them to learn about themselves indivi- on an individual level um, so that it can strengthen their marriage as a couple. Yeah. And, and Brandon, your thoughts? Yeah, well, there's certainly <clears throat> one of the things that I thought was going to happen is that when I went into marriage, the porn use would stop. Um, but as you mentioned at the top of the show, you know, 30 days in, less than 30 days in, it didn't. 
And so those things that we have that we don't want to come into marriage but have been built up as habits are going to make it into marriage, whether we want to want, want them to or not. And so that's one thing that, you know, even six years into their marriage, um, there's things that they're still going to be wrestling with because if they have however many years or, you know, whatever the the uh, the occurrence level was there, that's something that takes time to heal. And listen, you know, you were mentioning the brain science, right? This is a whole different ballgame when we talk about pornography and we talk about our sexuality. Yeah. Uh, it, it just influences every part of our being. It's who we were created to be, right? God's One of God's first commandments is, is be fruitful and multiply. Um, and so it's, it's so ingrained in us that it's one of, I, I really believe that it's one of the, the greatest evils out there that Satan could throw our way in, in getting to the core of who we are. So like Tonya was saying, you know, just spending time with that and, and you know, maybe even, even diving into theology of the body and, and replacing those, those past habits, those past thoughts, those past patterns with, you know, what God intended for us in our sexuality uh, and, and how beautiful it is. And, and honestly, I would encourage even attending a retrovine and diving into some of those deeper issues uh, because there's, there's usually like a lot of surface level problems that we can recognize, but that doesn't mean that that's the root cause of the issue. So getting into some of those issues and diving in whatever they may be, I think would be good. And, and obviously continuing to pray together and, and bring it to prayer you know, the Lord can wash clean anything, um, and uh, and so just just continuing to surrender that and bring it forth. You know, he he might still have a reason for allowing these things to happen. That there's there's something more to learn. There's something more to gain, or maybe there's just a deeper reliance on Him that uh, that He really wants. Um, and so having things like pornography struggles or temptations to pornography, you're not even actively looking at pornography. Uh, those are things that keep me um, personally running back to the Lord and, and begging Him each day for just another day of freedom, another day walking towards Him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not I'm not perfect, right? I still yeah. sometimes fight with my wife. <laughs> um, you know, it's a, it's a journey, um, but continuing to go to Him each and every day for that strength, I think is really important. Brandon, how, how important has confession been for you in finding the grace to, to fight this battle? You know, it's a, that's an interesting question because I would uh, kind of priest hop for a while when I was uh, falling regularly. So um, I, I live in an area where there's multiple Catholic churches. So I, I got to know the confession times pretty well. Um, and so it really became a source of, like I would fall and realize that I had entered into mortal sin and I didn't want to go to hell. Um, so if I, if I would die. And so I would, I would try to get to confession as regularly as possible, but I don't really think I had that deep contrition until, uh, my wife gave me an ultimatum, uh, to either get help or move out of the house. Um, that, that point, um, and that was, that was actually after getting the cops called on us. Well, I'll tell you, hold that thought for a second because I'm up against the clock. When we come back, let's hear the yeah. conclusion of your story, and then I'll jump back to the phones, grab a few calls. But let's hear how you ultimately found the path to freedom, what retro vibe meant not just for you, but how it can help so many people, not just dealing with pornography. You have a troubled marriage in this organization. 
may be able to save it. So I don't think uh, it's over yet. Stay with me. Our conversation will continue with more right after this. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. It's the truth and nothing but the truth. And nothing but the truth. Real faith, real talk. You're listening to The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for joining me today. It is a delight to be here with you. I am so grateful to be able to spend my afternoon with you. If you are just tuning in, uh, we're talking a little bit about pornography. I've invited the Clarks, uh, Brandon and Tonya, to stop by. They've got a great story. and They're really, um, I think, emblematic of so many relationships that, that are out there. And this is a struggle. It's a, a scourge. It's whatever adjective you want to put on uh, the term pornography. At the core, uh, I think pornography really assaults the very essence of what we are as Catholics and what we believe, right? what we believe about the person, about love, about sexuality. You and I were made in the image and likeness of God, and, and you were created to reflect that divine love. And Satan is so active and so effective today. He's an angelic mind, right? He understands that pornography will reduce that divine image to, to, mere, to a mere object of consumption. You know, that's what it is. But there are moral implications to this, and they're not confined to the personal or the marital spheres. As I said before, they ripple out. They affect our society. And, you know, many, you know, behind the scenes in the pornographic in- industry, they, they're exploited. They suffer violence. It's consumers, uh, you might be indirectly perpetuating these cycles of abuse. And the next time you decide to look or indulge or pay or participate, um, understand that you are maybe part of that whole process. So we have a moral imperative to do something about it. And uh, one thing I know as a Catholic I can do is pray and sacrifice fast, ask God for his mercy. Uh, we have the sacraments. That's something else I really want to encourage you to, to tap into. If you are a Catholic struggling with this, there's nothing more powerful than the sacrament of reconciliation. When we left off, uh, Brandon and Tonya were, were sharing their story. Brandon was exposed to pornography at the age of 12, and it had affected his relationships uh, he met Tonya. She loved him very much, and they were chased before marriage. So pick us up. You ultimately get into this relationship. You get married. You think porn will no longer be an issue. What happened that Tonya had to give you an ultimatum, and how did the police get involved? Well, I, so pornography is very selfish sin, and so I really only cared about my own desires. And as long as I felt good, then everything was good. And it didn't matter who uh, I had to bulldoze in the process. And unfortunately, Tonya was a person who um, I just, I bulldozed over her with my words. Uh, We got into some physical altercations, actually, uh, that I would consider physical abuse, uh, verbal abuse, certainly. And uh, the cops did get called on us, as you mentioned, uh, because of one of the verbally abusive situations. Tonya had tried to uh, even get a hotel room on her own because uh, because of the the verbal attack that was going on, and um, and the hotel manager ended up calling the cops on us that that evening, and so that was an opportunity to um, to get into Retrovi um, for us to for me to just say you know enough is enough, um, and Retrovi opened up a lot of doors. 
which we could talk for hours on. Um, but the what it did was it gave a, a Tonya some um, some confidence to know that she did not have to stand for the abuse that she had been receiving. And so the ultimatum actually came after our retrovi weekend as we were going through what we call the post sessions and saying enough is enough. You need to get help or you need to move out. And we talked about the confession thing. That was really one of the first times where, where I, I felt that deep contrition. Unfortunately, it was because of an ultimatum of I'm about to lose my wife. And, um, and it really just opened in my heart a, a new level of like, this is serious. This is, I, I, something needs to be done here. And I'd really drew just like to, to give Tonya a moment to talk about the betrayal trauma aspect. Cause we haven't yeah. mentioned that Boy, from a wife's perspective such yet. Such a great point. So Tonya, go ahead. Uh, yeah, sure. So I just kind of wanted to dive in this a uh, little quick. Um, again, it's, there's so much here to unpack, uh, to unpack. Um, but I know like right away in our marriage, you know, I'm, the, I'm a young bride. I'm like, super attracted to my husband. I, I have dreams of our future, uh, desires that I want, visions for our family. Um, and I knew he looked at pornography. I didn't know the extent of the addiction, but I was willing to be a team and pull together. Right. So I'm, I've kind of got this whole, like, we're together. We're, we're going to stick this out together. Um, and then when I was first informed of the fall, I remember my first reaction being, well, shock. And my immediate, I was not, not immediately mad at Brandon. I was immediately disappointed in myself because I immediately thought, why am I not good enough? I'm not pretty enough. I'm not trim enough. I'm not slim enough. So then it, the first, my first reaction was one of, okay, well, I'm just going to make myself so desirable that he will never turn to pornography again. Wow. Um, and I, I worked very hard at that. Um, and then when he fell again after that, um, then I started to recognize that this wasn't so much a mirror of me as this was something that my husband had something interiorly and he was struggling with. Uh, and so we sought spiritual direction. Um, and so I was given some clarification then. And I remember like my perspective going from shocked, you know, to personal guilt. Uh, then to cheerleader. Okay, Brandon, we can do this together. Mm. Like, we're going to dig in here. We're going to really fight for this. We're going to, you know, I, and I was there cheerleading him on. He felt, it's okay, honey, we can do this, you know. And I could only, you can only do that for so long when there's not a reciprocation of hard, heavy work going on. And, um, and that's really what needed to happen. So literally, you know, he would apologize and I would, it went from, he would apologize and I would say, you know what, honey, you know, did you go to confession? Okay, great. Okay, well, let's let's just keep going. To, he would apologize, and I would say, yeah, I know you're sorry. You're always sorry. And that was over a span of about three and a half years, wow. um, probably closer to four. Um, so the me losing my own like interior ability to be that cheerleader for my husband, be that support for him, with very little reciprocation because it wasn't just the pornography like Brandon was saying. It kind of gave him a selfish spin to the entirety of his being. Um, and I could tell when he looked at pornography because he treated me different. Hmm. Um, and so, and with all of this, this, this spinning, you know, spinning merry-go-round of emotions going on at the same time, I'm desiring to be a mother and we're infertile. We are unable to get pregnant. Wow. 
And I remember the first time I realized that he had looked at pornography and spilled seed at the same time. I remember being just absolutely crushed. Because one would think, you know, Tonya, why would you want to have this guy's babies? <laughs> and he's spilling seed that you can't have babies with. Um, but still, I still had that interior desire. I still wanted to be a mom. You know, I think to some extent I was I wanted to have children, so I'd have somebody to love me back. You know, so there was a struggle there. Um, also, that was happening. You know, so it was just it was just layers on layers. Um, and so then when we, by the time we got the cops called on us, um, honestly, I to this day I don't know who the manager is, but I love them. <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember my my feeling of humanity was restored when the cops wow. showed up. I'm like somebody in that hotel cared enough wow. to call, and I. Yes, I have a special place for that person in my heart. I don't That's even know who awesome. they are, but it was a turning point in our marriage. Um, Brandon got on a phone call with a friend. They gave him Retrovi. Brandon invited me to go to Retrovi with him. I said yes, um, and that was a huge turning point because yes, I we went to Retrovi. We had a, a you know we were talking about that wife earlier who she talks about a connection of intimacy. We had a huge connection of intimacy that was not sexual. And that is what we needed to push us forward into the next level. And then the training and the self-awareness that it gave me and like being like, okay, this is not acceptable. Dude, you need to quit. You know, it did give me that confidence that I knew he knew that in this training, you can't do that. You know, and I had some, and I had a community to go to to support me in that. How beautiful. Well, look, I only have about two moments left. Um, I just want to give you both the opportunity for final thoughts. If you want to plug Retrovive, if you want to leave anyone with some advice, please feel free to go ahead and do that. Yeah, I can start quick. Uh, I, I would really highly encourage, like, whether you're struggling with pornography or not, uh, maybe you struggle with communication, maybe it's finances. Like, there's all kinds of different things that people struggle with that create uh, rockiness in marriage. And Retrovive really helps us to be able to work through that as a couple and and realize that we are a team and we can do this and yes there's going to be rough moments and and it doesn't mean everything is all hunky-dory and peaches and cream all the time but it does mean that we're a team and we can work side by side and work through these issues and realize that the issues are the issues the issues are not with one another. So that's one thing. The other thing is um, Tony and I have a series specifically talking about our story with struggling with pornography in marriage and how we found healing that Covenant Eyes helped produced, and it's called Restored Vows. So I highly encourage couples to look that up. It's totally free. It's a 14-day video series, and we just go into more details about our struggles and um, how we were able to work with things like Retrovi to find healing. Well, I am grateful. Tonya, thank you for your eloquence and for your witness. And Brendan, thank you as well. Thank you both for being so public about this. I know you're changing a lot of lives. Please check out their podcast. Check out the information he just sent to you. And I'll be praying for all of you. I am broadcasting live today from the National Shrine of Our Lady of Champion. Prayers are coming your way right now. Have a great day.